to more John Chuckery. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Halfway home on this Wednesday evening. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us. When you're on the go, social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316 on Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews on Twitter. 20 minutes from right now, we'll get to our That's Life, and we'll replay our Tony Khan interview from earlier in the show, the owner of AEW Wrestling, so we'll play that at 940. So why do sacks matter? Okay. Now, we talked about on Friday night the way rosters and stuff are constructed. And, you know, there are three things in the NFL that win, that win consistently, win at big levels, win all the time. If you have great quarterback play, you have great offensive line play, and you have great defensive line play. If you've got all three of those things, you probably got a Super Bowl in your case, trophy case. If you have two of the three, you're probably right on the cusp of usually being in the Super Bowl mix. See the 49ers, five championship games, five NFC championship games in 11 years total. Why do – now, I've brought this up for years now that 40 sacks is that magical number. Okay? Don't believe me? Cool. Here we go. So for the last seven years, and I can go back further than this, but for the last seven years, okay, teams that have 40 sacks on defense make the playoffs 60% of the time. And if you have 38 or more sacks, which is within 5%, right? 39 is 2.5%. 38's 5%. If you're within a 5% window of 40 sacks, you make the playoffs 70% of the time over the last seven years. Doesn't matter what your offense is. Doesn't matter what your pass defense is. Doesn't matter if you rush. I looked solely, solely, clearly, coherently, at just team sack numbers. It's all I looked at. Where do teams where do teams that have 40 sacks usually end up? 60% of the time, 40 sacks is a playoff team. 70% of the time when you're 38 sacks or more, you're a playoff team. You have to have those numbers. You know, we, we talk a lot about this. You, you know, the NFL is not a hard game to break down and figure out why one franchise wins, why this team doesn't. Why can't we win? There's no, you know, unique answer. There's, there's no fluffing around. There's no, you know, kind of poking things here and, this, that, and the other. You have to be great at quarterback, great at offensive line, great at defensive line. When you're those three things, 
You're a great team. I don't care whatever else you do. And when you're a 40-sack team, the majority of time, you're a playoff team. Because most of your playoff teams are 40, 39, 38 sacks. Dylan, if if I if I gave you, if I said to you, okay, that every decision that you make in life, okay, okay, yep, has a seventy percent chance of success, no matter what it is, you 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 know you 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 scratch your watch and you wind your rear end, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. No matter what decision you make, whether it's dinner, whatever, money, whatever. Right. If I told you that 70% of the time you would always land successfully, would you take those odds? Yes. Every single day. If I told you that every decision involves a 70% chance of success, you would take that every time, wouldn't you? Without a doubt. Okay. How many people wouldn't? Nobody. Zero. Zilch. Nada. So when we talk about 40 sacks, first-round defensive players, quarter, the formula is always the same. It's always the same. It's why the same franchises are where they are Year over year, why the good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. And I know Arthur Blank was on the station earlier today, and he's optimistic and things like that. Okay. But we're not going to get better as a franchise until we do the things that for years, for not just one year, and I know the NFL, right, is the ultimate copycat league. Right? It's the ultimate copycat league. You do something, I'm going to copy it. The formula for years has been outstanding quarterback play, offensive line play, defensive line play. First-round defensive players that get sacks. Now you see 40, 40 sacks in a season. 70% of the time. It's the same formula. And it's why my steam comes out of my ears. Oh, well, best available player, you got to do this and that. No, you don't. You have one formula that you have to follow. You have one lane that you drive in. Everything else is background noise. Everything else is Michigas. Everything else is Bunk, Bull, and Malarkey, and that's not a law firm. There's one way to do it. It's the way that always wins. So we've got one of the three things figured out, our offensive line. And, you know, we'll talk on Friday. I'm... I'm all about one of your high-caliber acquisitions in free agency should be a left guard. And I've got a name that I'll give you for it, too, and everything. Should be a left guard that is a solid NFL starter 
because if I'm going to partner him up, you know, the last time that we played two rookies and we stood them side by side, we had the worst interior offensive lineman in the history of the NFL, and, and, and we had a below-average center. I don't want to go through that again. I don't want us to, you know, of, of the three things that we need to fix, and we've got one of those fixed, I don't want to go backward. So before I start signing cornerbacks, free agent, you know, linebackers and free agent safeties and free agent wide receivers and all that, I better make sure the three fundamental things are fixed first and foremost. That's why we're pro football focus. You know, it's easy to say, oh, yeah, don't, don't reach for a guy. Well, that's where they all come from. That's where the vast majority of these guys come from. First-round defensive linemen. That's what wins in the NFL. And every time I do one of these deep-dive studies and all that stuff, I keep proving myself right. I do it to make sure that I'm not way off base and things like that. And I, Dylan, I got my piece of paper here, don't I? Sure do. And I got... Got all 20, your notes. I, I got 2022, 20, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16. All the years. All the years, the playoff teams, how many you've got. You know, I got all this stuff. I, I go through year by year by year because I'm morbid like that, right? Yes, yes sir. Very yeah. attention to detail. Yeah. I go through it and say, okay, now let's add it all up. Now let's add it all up and see what it comes out to. I don't have to go best available and this and that and, you know, unicorns and this and that and everything else, all the folder all. I got the way to build it. I got the winning formula. You know, I got, hey, I got the golden ticket for the Wonka factory. I have the lottery ticket. You got the winning numbers. Yeah. I've got the Powerball number right here. It's one way, one path, one thing in that short lane. And you can't get off of that track. You can't get diverted into the ditch. Take the back road. Take the fork in the road. You can't get distracted by all the white noise and all the background music and everything else. And I'm optimistic about the Falcons because they're in a good position right now. They can be both a player in the draft at number eight. They can be a player in free agency. That combination of those two things should lead you to success. And I'm with Arthur Blank. I'm optimistic that it's going to turn around. I'm not guaranteeing divisions and Super Bowl and all that kind of fault or all. I'll leave that for everybody else. You know, the, 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 one, the one source that was saying that we were going to be a two-win team, everybody latched on to that. So I'm not going to, you know, say, proclaim Super Bowl and division titles and, and all that because the one person who says it, everybody will latch on to that too. I'm saying there's no reason why we can't turn this record around and, and we can't be above 500. You be above 500, you let the chips fall where they are, right? 
Everybody's trying to get better. Everybody's trying to be a better franchise. Everybody's trying to get, you know, high-caliber players, free agency, draft, whatever. Everybody's got the same goal in mind. And you can turn things around quickly. The Jacksonville Jaguars were the laughing stock of the NFL. They went 9-8, and eight, won their division, and they were a divisional playoff team, right? And they played Kansas City tough. I mean, you know, they were a divisional playoff team. They drafted well. They signed good free agents. Their quarterback stepped up. Voila! It's a miracle. What they drafted, what what they they used the number one pick on a safety, right? Last year, no. Uh, they well, hold on. They used the number one pick on a cornerback. No. Hold on. I'm trying to remember. They used the number one pick on a I know a wide receiver. Nope. Okay. Uh, they they you I know I know now. They <laughs> used. The number one pick on a running back. No. Well, okay. The year before, because they had the number one pick this year. Yes. The year before, they used that on a safety, right? No. Oh. Well, wait a second. Two years ago, what did they draft in the first round? They drafted a, you put me on this. Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, that's right. What's he play? Quarterback. Okay. Well, surely then they had their they had the first pick of the draft. Surely then they drafted a wide receiver last year in the first round. No. What they draft? They drafted a defensive end. Oh. Oh. Well, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm confused by this whole thing. It's the same formula. Voila. Voila. Draft a quarter, you know, get your quarterback, get your offensive line right, get your defensive line right, and you'll be a contender every year, and you'll turn things around quickly. Funny how that all just works itself out. Be a 40-sack defense. You're in the playoffs. Hey, I got hey, I got my Golden Wonka ticket here with 40 sacks on it. All right, you're Voila. in the playoffs. I, I I got my I got my I got my lottery ticket here with 40 sacks on it. Oh, you're in the playoffs this year. Voila. That's life when we get back. Coyote sightings are on the rise. And I'm gonna give Dylan a list of what he's watched because I wouldn't let him pick three because he probably hasn't seen any of these things. So we'll get to all that plus our top ten. Chuck in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 910 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. 922 live in the Kia studios. You know what time it is. That's life. That's life. That's what all the people say. 404-741-0929. That's the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps, how you catch us 
on the go. Social media is at 939 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm at JMCH316. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. So I, I saw this story, came across this on Fox, uh, Fox 5, that um, more and more coyote sightings are becoming prevalent in a lot of Georgia neighborhoods. So uh, Brandon Saunders, who runs uh, Saunders Wildlife, says that it's mating season right now. Great. Uh, They're going looking for other mates. So they're going off their territories that they're used to and in search of a new mate. Their sightings have become more and more prevalent. Now, this is what's interesting. He says, quote, coyotes aren't coyotes actually aren't dangerous. He said that they usually eat fruit vegetation, fruits. They love persimmon seeds. A lot of those food choices dry up during the winter. Okay. Now, aren't coyotes carnivores by nature? They're in the same. That's what I thought. They're in the same genus as wolves and dogs and stuff like that. Right. Okay. Now, he says that they do eat rats and mice and things like that. But what is persimmon seeds? I have no idea. I, I, I have I, like I know I know plant material. I know a pretty good amount about plants. I don't know what persimmon seeds are. Like I, I wouldn't know persimmon seeds if you threw a handful of them at me. <laughs> but he says that he says that they don't normally go after your cats and dogs. They're not necessarily on the menu. Statistically speaking, quote, they are not eating a lot of cats and dogs. Well. I don't know. I've heard of a bunch of folks that have issues with coyotes in their backyard and, you know, have to keep the dogs and cats away and everything like that. I promise you. Because, like, I'm looking at some of the pictures of these coyotes that are roaming around some of these Georgia neighborhoods. Um, They're like big dogs. Yeah. They're they're not like the little, small, slender Uh -uh. kinds of animals. They'd give a dog, a a decent-sized dog, a run for his money. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I sorry. I mean, you know, again, um, I, I, I'm not disputing what Brandon Saunders is saying, but, yeah, uh, I'm not, not necessarily buying um, all of that. All right. So, normally I give Dylan, um, you know, like I'll send Dylan a picture. Like they'll, they'll have like one of these lists. And things like that, okay? And this is a particular picture of a list of, it says here, Dylan, choose your top three movies from this list. Okay. Now, rather than rather than have you pick your three movies, okay? Okay. Okay. In all honesty, I want to see if you've even seen any of these nine movies. Okay? <laughs> all right. And they're some of the most popular movies of all time, all right? Okay. So... Scarface with Al Pacino. I've not seen it from beginning to end. I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. Heat with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino. Don't think I've seen it, no. The Godfather Part 2. I... So there was a Godfather marathon going on. I was at my dad's house. It was in the background. So I watched a good chunk of it, but I can't say wholeheartedly I've sit down and watched from beginning to end. It was kind of just on in the background, and I saw a good chunk of it. All right, how about the original Godfather? Same thing. I've okay. seen a good chunk of it, not committed to it beginning to end. All right, how about the Irishman? That was a uh, 
streaming movie with De Niro and Pesci and guys? Don't even know what that is. Okay. How about Goodfellas? Nope. How about Casino? Don't think so, no. How about Donnie Brasco? I don't even know who that is. How about A Bronx Tale? Nope. So Scarface. Seen West Side Story. <laughs> so Scarface, Heat, the first two Godfather movies, The Irishman, Goodfellas, Casino, Donnie Brasco, and A Bronx Tale. You, by and large, have not seen any of those movies start to finish. Nope. Okay. I <laughs> I thought maybe you had seen The Godfather, but I, see, I was. I was the one I seen the most of. I was being brave by <laughs> making that assumption. The only one I have not seen start to finish, and I, the only one of these movies that I've not seen start to finish is The Irishman, because it was a streaming movie uh, online. Okay. The other, the other eight movies on here, I would probably say I've seen at the low end fifty times, at the high end two hundred times. Like I've oh, probably wow. seen Goodfellas two hundred times. Yeah. And I've probably seen Donnie Brasco 50 times. Wow. You haven't seen any of them, huh? Nope. Couldn't, couldn't tell you a single line or anything like that. So there, there you go. <laughs> I, I, I expected, I saw that list and I was like, you know, I bet you Dylan hasn't seen any of these movies. I was, I was hoping maybe you had seen one, but. You had, I, uh, you had a little too much faith yeah, in me, yeah, Chuck. I, I, I mean, I, I was pretty close to seeing, um, you know, Right. The Godfather. I've seen a good chunk of those. Right, right, yes. If I asked you about the plot and the storyline and all that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'll probably get a D on yeah, that test. Yeah, exactly. Okay, all right. So with that, tonight's top ten list. Your top ten worst movies that you've ever watched. Top ten worst movies that you've ever watched beginning to end. Dylan, or you've walked out of a movie theater on, because I've done a couple of these. Right. Uh, Dylan, the floor is yours. Okay. So, for one, I'm going to have to go with The Roommate. The Roommate is a really just dumb movie. I really was just bored, and, like, it kind of intrigued me, but then I started watching it, and at that point I was just invested, but it was just really done. Say the movie again. I'm sorry. I was reading something real quick. The Roommate. Okay, because (laughs) a guy on Twitter said, uh, that's embarrassing not seeing any of those classics. How old is he? Uh, the guy, the texture is 37. How old are you? 26. I'll be 27 in March. Okay. So uh, continue. Um, sorry. <laughs> Start over with your list because, yeah, people are flabbergasted that, you know. I, I that, can understand why, yes. you know, but, you know, it just, it, it's just, it's a thing. Okay. The Roommate, it's a really dumb movie. It's about, like, uh, this girl, she moves in. She's, like, moving into college and her college dorm and she has like a roommate that's like uh kind of mysterious and like maybe a killer sort of thing it's just a dumb movie um not the latest godzilla movie but the one before that i think i went to go see that with one of my friends and i literally fell asleep through so the movie started i made it through like the first 10 maybe 15 minutes and then I fell asleep and I did not wake up until Godzilla actually started. Yeah, I that that kind of movie I, I first of all I would have never been suckered into paying money <laughs> to see that movie and second of all I would have just walked out of the theater. Yeah. I, I cuz I I've, I've done that on a couple of these movies. I mean, so I would have walked out of the theater. 
All right. Next one, I'm going to go with Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2. The first one, actually not that bad. Yeah, I'll, I'll give the first one a little bit of credit. Second one, they, they should have just left it alone. Yeah, that was should, a money grab. That's yeah, a money grab. That's a money grab. Yeah, that's a money grab. Big time money grab. Yeah. Okay. Next, Son of the Mask. Talk about another money grab. First of all, you waited way too long to try and reboot the mask, and then it was just dumb. You know, I remember that movie. Oh, my God. That was, was, a, so that was a god-awful movie. That was a disaster. Because uh, it wasn't Jim Carrey or anybody in it. They, they nope. had they had, they had some garbanzo bean you know, in that movie. Yeah, exactly. Um, next, I'm going to go with Sharknado. And really, you could do like... Ha- didn't, haven't they made like three or four Sharknados? Oh, yeah. Sharknados are great. What? Yeah, Sharknado's fun. <laughs> Sharknado's terrible. Yeah, it's the most ridiculous concept in the world. <laughs> That's the whole point of the movie is that it's so over-the-top ridiculous yeah. in the story that that's the appeal of it. I guess. Maybe maybe, maybe as I'm older, I should rewatch did, did it. You but... like, did you, like, take it seriously? Like, how could... Uh, and... No, I didn't take it seriously. I just thought it was just dumb. So I was like, yeah. okay, I mean, yeah, but it's just, I don't know. It was just saying. But anyway, okay. Next, I'm going to go with Epic Movie. I get Epic Movie was like a satire type of thing. But they is that just, the Wayans Brothers? Uh, was, is that the, I don't, no, that's not the Wayans Brothers okay. movie. They might have done a movie similar to that, but that's not the Wayans Brothers movie. Um, it kind of reminded me of like, you know how they do like the scary movies, like the, yeah. where they make fun of the different stuff. Right. It's kind of like that. Um, it was just, it was just stupid. And they, I get what they were trying to do as a satire type of movie, but they just missed the mark. On a couple of things. Another one that, and this one I just recently watched, another satire. It was better, so I'm not going to hate on it too much, but again, it was kind of dumb. Honk for Jesus. It, th- What they were trying to do, I understood, and I get the message and the the time. I get what they were going for. They just missed. They just did not execute it well. It's, it's a newer movie. It's with, um, I've I forget the dude's it. name, and Taraji P. Henson. Yeah, yes. Taraji, yeah. I would see it for her. I, I, I'm Actually, big, no, it's not Taraji P. Henson. It's okay. Regina Hall. Regina Hall. Okay. That's what well, I'm a big fan of both of them. Yes. So. Regina uh, Hall is a fabulous actress. Yeah. Oh, no. It, I think the acting performances are good. It's just the plot. And, and it ended very stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to have to go also with what else I got on here. Can I get off of these? Okay. Next one I'm going to have to go with. I'm going to actually. <laughs> I watched The Room, which is supposed to be the worst movie of all time. I watched it just to see how bad it was. It it was that bad. It was it was that bad. The Room is that a horror movie or something? I don't even know how to describe The Room to you. It's like a dude and he's trying to be. No, no, I know how to describe it. It's a dude. He's like trying to be a musician, and then his girlfriend cheats on him with his best friend. The acting is terrible. The production is terrible. I mean, you just gotta watch it. It's just, at this point, it's like hilarious how bad it is. But it's it's arguably the worst movie of all time. Okay. Now I I've got one worse than that because I, I I I have one that I I almost threw up in my mouth and I just had to walk out of the theater it was so bad. All right, and lastly for me I'm going with um oh what I forgot now I'm, I'm brain. what was that one movie called where it can't be brain dead because I'm the one I'm uh, that's my gimmick on the show. What was that one movie called that was supposed to get in the theaters and they kicked it off? Um, it was with James Franco. It was about Kim Jong Un. Um, I forgot what it was called. Now I gotta look. At, oh, the interview. The oh, interview. Oh yes, yes. It was. Um, 
Uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Seth Rogen. Seth Rogen. Yes. yes, yes. That. Yeah. Anytime they get together, that's some of the worst movies. Yeah. Because I, I, I will tell you, like even that Pineapple Express or whatever wasn't that funny of a movie. No. Nah, no. Nah. And that was supposed to be like one of their classics or whatever. Like I, that wasn't that funny in a in a movie anyway. All right. Um, here's my list, and and I'll 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 be curious to see if you even know any of these movies. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So Ishtar. No. Awful movie. Warren Beatty, Dustin Hoffman, one of the worst movies I've ever seen in, in my life. Okay. Caddyshack 2. I've heard of Caddyshack, but Cad- I've not seen it. Caddyshack 2 is the worst sequel ever done. Wow. Caddyshack's the funniest movie ever made, and Caddyshack 2 was the 180-degree opposite of everything that made Caddyshack great, it was the exact opposite of everything about Caddyshack. Wow. Pluto Nash. No. <laughs> it's the worst Eddie Murphy movie. It He had a string of those movies, but this Pluto Nash movie in outer space was awful. I had to look this one up because it was so bad. Jack and Jill. It's Adam Sandler who... Besides being the moron that he is, plays his sister what? in the movie. Yes. Yeah, it's that It's that bad. It's that bad. All right, you may have heard of this one, Battleship. I've heard of it, didn't see it. Okay, Rihanna's in I was going to say, yeah, Riri was in yeah, that one. Yeah, it is awful. It's the stupidest movie in all awful, in all honesty, I would have nuked everybody in that movie and sunk all their battleships. <laughs> Except okay? Riri, right? Yes. Um, I'd have saved her. Um, Speed 2. No. Do you know this, the original movie Speed? No. Yeah, that's Isn't a, that like a car movie, though? That's a classic. No, it's not a car movie. It's, a, oh. it's the bus with the bomb on it. It's Keanu Reeves, Sandra Bullock. Yeah, anyway. No. The, the, the sequel... Jason Patrick and Sandra, it was awful. Dreadful with um, Willem Dafoe. I think it was Willem Dafoe who was the bad guy in that movie. Um, Howard the Duck. I've heard of that, and I, I've obviously okay. seen him in Marvel movies, too. Exactly. That's a Marvel. But it, this, was, this movie was actually produced by George Lucas. Oh, really? Okay? Howard the Duck is awful. It makes no sense. It's the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> Catwoman. With Halle Berry? Catwoman is dreadful. Oh, Catwoman wasn't that bad. Oh, it was dreadful. Dreadful with Halle Berry in it. Dude, where's my car? I went I've heard to a of that. theater. <laughs> I went to a theater with a group of people and had to sit through that godforsaken movie. Dude, with Ashton Kutcher and honestly, I wanted to take a flamethrower to everybody in that movie. <laughs> And the audience sitting <laughs> in the, the theater. Too. Dude, where's my car? And then the single worst movie I've ever seen that I got up and left the movie theater was Battlefield Earth with John Travolta, Forrest Whitaker. They're these aliens. It was awful. And I think it was pushing his Scientology, um, you know, mantra and sayings and all that. That movie is dreadful. It's the worst theater experience I've ever had in my life. I walked up to the person at the ticket counter and said, I want my money back. Did you really? Yes. Oh I my thought gosh. I want my money back. <laughs> All right, when we get back, we were joined uh, by Tony Khan earlier in the show, the owner of AEW. 
what he had to say. Coming up next, Chuck from the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, Odyssey.com app. And I know one thing. Attention, adoring fans. Back to more John Chuckery. Hey, folks, how you doing? Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. Sports Radio, 92.9, the game. It is the John Chuckery Show, live in the Kia Studios with you here as we get ready for another week of AEW TV Coming up live tonight from El Paso, Texas, it is Dynamite, 8 o'clock on TBS. And, of course, every Friday night you can catch Rampage at 10 o'clock Eastern on TNT. We go out to the waitfor.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to the owner, the booker, the man that makes all of it happen. Tony Khan is joining us here. You can follow Tony on his personal Twitter page. It is at Tony Khan, T-O-N-Y-K-H-A-N. And Tony... Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you so greatly for spending a few minutes with us here in Atlanta. We're big fans, and uh, we appreciate the time you're giving us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on today, John. I'm excited. You know, when I look at the promotion a few years in, how would you describe where AEW is? Are you ahead of where you thought, behind where you thought, or really kind of at the point of where you thought you would be just a few years in? I think we're way ahead of where I believe we would be, but I also think we can continue to grow and build off this. We've had such an amazing, amazing run. This is our 175th episode of AEW Dynamite tonight on TBS. And, of course, there in Atlanta, the broadcast legacy of TBS and TNT, I have so much respect for the history of Atlanta wrestling, and that is the history and the lineage that allowed AEW to be possible running shows like tonight on TBS, as you mentioned, and Friday on TNT. And tonight's show on TBS is a special one. Tonight is championship fight night on Dynamite. And really just a stacked lineup, bunch of huge matches. And to think where we started, it's pretty amazing because we started with one pay-per-view and that pay-per-view double or nothing has grown, it's, it's expanded, it's, it's gotten bigger every year, and we've expanded the pay-per-view calendar. Now we have these big four quarterly events that we've started with, and we've launched another big event called Forbidden Door with New Japan Pro Wrestling. But really, most exciting of all to me is the fact that we get to bring great wrestling to the fans every week, just like what we've got on tap for tonight on TBS. If you've never seen the show, tonight's lineup is one of the most exciting. The show has been on one of our best runs ever recently through 174 episodes to date going into number 175 tonight. The most recent run of shows, the ones we've done in 2023 since the start of January, it's been the best fan feedback we've ever had on the show. And that's so important to me because the loyal fans and what they think of the show that's everything to a wrestling promotion. And we saw that firsthand. So many of you there in Atlanta, if the wrestling promotion doesn't listen to its fans and doesn't uh, do the right things to keep the fans engaged, it can lead to a decline in the interest or even uh, a loss of interest by the owner in the business, which is what happened to WCW. And it was, that's why it was so important to me to bring AEW into existence 
because there were a lot of wrestling fans that missed that wrestling every week on TBS and TNT that we're bringing them now. Tony Khan joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline, uh, owner and booker for AEW Wrestling. So how important, you know, you touched on the legacy here, and, you know, obviously you guys are in Jacksonville, so Atlanta's a big metropolis here that, you know, has a rich wrestling history. How important is the Atlanta market, and could we potentially see, because I get this question a lot from folks, Tony, could we potentially see one of the pay-per-views here in Atlanta? Well, Atlanta's definitely one of the most important cities for AEW. We've run great events in the area, including at State Farm and, of course, at the Gwinnett Center. And there are a lot of great venues in the Atlanta area, in the city, and the surrounding areas. Overall, the market is one of the best pro wrestling markets in the country. The support we get from the fans in Atlanta is so important to me. It's really important everywhere we go, but Atlanta in particular, because these are our hometown, home market fans. We are a Turner company. We are on TBS and TNT, and that's how we started. And I'm very loyal to them and very appreciative for what they've done to make AEW possible. And the fans around Atlanta have such a great connection to the wrestling on TBS and TNT. They always have. And I think Atlanta would be a great site at some point for one of our big pay-per-view events. And certainly we've done some of our biggest TV events there. In particular, I think one of the best episodes of the show that we ever did was in February of 2020 on the run to Revolution. That was one of the best runs of TV we ever did. And it's funny because there's something about this road to Revolution that that year, the first Revolution in 2020, that pay-per-view and the TV led up to it was some of the best stuff we ever did. And last year, 2022, I think the road to Revolution was excellent. And the shows were tremendous leading into it. And it was a great pay-per-view. And again, this year, the shows have been as good or better than ever. The feedback has been the best we've ever had from the fans. And we're leading into another big event, Revolution. So it brings us all back to where it all began, uh, for Revolution there. Uh, on the road in Atlanta, what a great show it was. So many classic matches on that show. And now uh, on the road to Revolution this year, as I look back, I definitely think Atlanta would be a great site for another big AEW event in the near future. How tempting has it been to go to a monthly pay-per-view type of schedule? I mean, wrestling for the last you know several years has been a monthly pay-per-view event. Why have you kind of stayed away from that in, in, you know, like, have you kind of fought yourself just, you know, by staying quarterly? I mean, I, I like the concept of the quarterly, but it's so tempting to always run more, 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 more. Well, we've been able to really make the events keep that super special feel where there's so much anticipation building up to Revolution or Double or Nothing, Forbidden Door now, and of course, All Out and Full Gear these big events. Um, I think that with the current model we have, which is a la carte pay-per-view, true traditional pay-per-view, like what so many of us grew up with, it makes a lot of sense. You know, the price is about $49.99. And if somebody's going to give us that $49.99, I would like them to feel like they're getting a show they've really looked forward to for a long time and getting maximum value. Uh, there are different ways to deliver the shows now in the streaming economy, but in this current setup, I think we have a great calendar. 
if the delivery method changed or as streaming enters the conversation for AEW because AEW streaming platform is something I get asked about every day. For all I know, that was the next question you were going to ask me, John. And uh, I think uh, for us right now, the way we're doing pay-per-view makes sense. But if the right offer came along on streaming to expand the calendar, that's something that we have the capacity to do. But I would only want to do it if we can make sure that we keep Revolution, Double or Nothing, Forbidden Door, All Out, and Full Gear as premium top-end events like they are right now on our pay-per-view calendar where it's all built around those shows. The owner of AEW Wrestling, Tony Khan, is joining us here in the WaitFor.com hotline. I had one of my listeners ask me about the streaming side of things, that will there be an opportunity in the future that you know episodes of Dynamite Rampage will stream um, somewhere online or your own platform, or what's kind of the future of all of that? Okay, so I was right. That literally was the next question you were going to ask me. <laughs> so uh, I've got my crystal ball out. And I think that it, while it's pretty unpredictable in some ways, there's definitely an appetite for this. And I can't speak for our partners at Warner Brothers Discovery, but I, what I can say is it's a conversation we've had and we're having. And I know there's a lot of interest on both sides on making that happen. There's definitely a lot of fan interest in it so it's certainly something i think we'd all like to see in the future uh, just have to m- make the right deal how important is the concept th- this is one of the things i'm fascinated by how important is the concept of establishing homegrown talent i mean you you've obviously brought people in from a lot of different promotions i mean it, it's it's run the whole gamut but when you talk about your homegrown talent, you know, guys that have not been as exposed on national TV and things like that, how important is establishing them as being stars and, and kind of being directly linked to your promotion versus from somebody else? I think it's very important when you're the challenger brand to bring in your own homegrown talent and show that you have your own identity and you're not trying to copy the industry leader. And for AEW, we are a challenger brand. And, you know, uh, there are a lot of comparisons you could make, but one that would probably be valid would be saying McDonald's and Burger King and the way Burger King tries to compete with McDonald's. Well, they are acknowledging that they don't have the most stores or make the most sales necessarily. They believe they have a better product and that's how they promote it. I'm not saying that they do or don't, but I think when I first came there to Atlanta to have these meetings and talked about being a challenger brand in the wrestling space, that's the playbook that TBS handed me. And they showed me these examples of challenger brands and it's something very specific. You're not a niche brand but you're also not necessarily number one in the space. So you're, you're a big brand and you're challenging for your place and you have to have your own identity. So having our own homegrown talent is a huge part of it. And then we can compete for the best free agents, bring people in. But when they come in, they have to be coming into a place uh, that's not a knockoff or a copy of another wrestling promotion. AEW really does have its own identity. And I think we built that through Dynamite. And again, if you haven't seen the show or if it's been a while since you've seen it, I think tonight's episode is going to be tremendous. There's a lot of great title fights and a lot of great action. 
and it'll give you a sense of what we do on AEW Dynamite every week. So I, I would definitely encourage people, if you can, it's on 8 p.m. tonight on TBS, and it's going to be a great show. And it's it's a lot like the great shows we've been having so far this year. We've just been on a great run, and uh, we just want to keep it going. The owner of AEW, Tony Khan, joining us here in the WaitFor.com hotline. You recently purchased Ring of Honor. Are there plans to get that promotion back on a television network or somehow televising it? I know you've run pay-per-views that are Ring of Honor specific, but any plans in the works to try to get something more regular for a TV deal for Ring of Honor? That's a great question, John. Coming soon, we'll announce when the weekly Ring of Honor show is going to stream. We've relaunched the Honor Club streaming platform, and it's done extremely well for us. Um, On the Ring of Honor website or in the App Store, you can get the Ring of Honor app, and there's an option to join the Honor Club, and there's a great library with thousands of hours from Ring of Honor's history. The promotion has been around for over 20 years now, and going into year 21, thousands of hours, some of the greatest wrestlers in the world today, some of the best wrestlers ever have competed in Ring of Honor, and the great history of the promotion, so many hours. That's something different from AEW right now. I think AEW has hit incredible heights and is doing groundbreaking stuff in pro wrestling. But one thing we don't have is 20 years of history. So to me, as I build up a streaming library and these assets, Ring of Honor was very valuable for many reasons. First of all, yes, is a video library, but also as a great wrestling promotion that the fans love. And it had a great history that I didn't want to see end. And it had been posed to me that if I did not buy it, that's probably what was going to happen. And I thought it was a great opportunity to protect a great American wrestling brand and keep the show going. So I will be having a weekly Ring of Honor show that will be coming soon to our club. And we'll have more information about that coming soon. And also when and where we'll tape that show. And that'll be a great build to the pay-per-views. Of course, there's a couple big pay-per-views coming up next month with AEW Revolution, our huge quarterly event like we talked about, and always one of the best shows in AEW. And then at the end of the month, there will be Supercard of Honor, which is one of Ring of Honor's biggest shows. And something the fans really look forward to every year. And I think it's going to be another really exciting show there. And we'll have a weekly Ring of Honor series coming soon, too. So uh, a lot of exciting stuff coming up in Ring of Honor. And particularly tonight in AEW on TBS. All right, last question, Tony. Let's have a little bit of fun here. So if you were going to be an on-screen character, you're going to be a heel, you're going to be a face. What are you going to be? Well, it would, first of all, I really don't want to do that. And I don't want to detract or take away any time from the great wrestlers in AEW. So I really try to limit the on screen appearances I make. And when I do come out, it's generally either to make a very special announcement or uh, specific instructions. And I believe that served us very well. And, you know, that's the role I would like to keep more of a being a device on the show than actually taking up a lot of time. And, you know, that's, frankly, that's how it should be. You know, I work in the National Football League, and we have a great commissioner, Roger Goodell, and it's not like 
when we're playing the games, it's not like, you know, 30, 40 minutes out of every game is devoted to Roger talking. Uh, you know, it's about the sport of football that people love worldwide and that has captivated American hearts for decades. And I really believe that's what people tune into AEW to see is the pro wrestlers wrestling. So I don't really want to be a character taking up a lot of time on the show. Uh, if, but I also like answering people's hypothetical phone questions. So I think in my limited appearances, I do like representing the company, which is a babyface company, generally in a babyface role. And I don't think it's really my role to be out there trying to get heat. And if we needed that, if we were really up against it, maybe I would try that. But I don't think there's any need or uh, really any demand for that. And I think the way we're doing it now is very well. If you haven't seen it again, you can check it out tonight on TBS. And for all the fans there in Atlanta, it's a great tradition of wrestling on TBS that goes back 50 years. And the original Superstation and the legacy Ted Turner's built in this business it's an honor to be able to bring wrestling back to TBS every week, like the great show we're going to have for you tonight at 8 p.m. Well, Tony, if you ever need a uh, heel mouthpiece, I'm a uh, definite heat magnet, so uh, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy playing the bad guy. So check out AEW live tonight, 8 p.m. on TBS, live from El Paso, Texas. It is AEW Dynamite, and then check out Friday nights, 10 o'clock Eastern, AEW Rampage on TNT. Tony Khan joined us here on the WadeFord.com hotline. He's the owner, booker for AEW Wrestling. Tony, I greatly appreciate the time. Thank you so much for spending a few minutes in Atlanta with us, and we look forward to talking with you again. It was my pleasure, John. Thanks for having me on, and see you tonight on TBS for AEW Dynamite.